I'm I sorry. Mean, come on. Ten pounds of pig's feet. That's like a that's a pretty good opening line, wouldn't you agree? Well, I hate to tell you this, but yes, it was a code open. Oh, hey, my welcome to <laughs> welcome to couch. I should have fucking known. Welcome to Couch on Fire podcast. That's Griffin. I'm Rob. We're talking. I, I swear, you, you sit here, you hit record as soon as I enter the fucking call. You just wait for me to say some goofy little redneck shit. Well, you know that's. That's why people love you. I mean, I, I get... Oh, man. So before we start this podcast for the Summer of Horror, I want to thank everyone for liking and supporting us. I'm going to do this right off the bat because every time I do it at the end, I feel like people con and click out of the um, podcast. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. Um, I did get some... I was up in Baltimore, Maryland not that long ago, and I did get some... some let's just say some... not What is it? Not judgment, but more of critiques on the podcast and a lot of constructive criticism yes and one of my um my good friends i do you know i actually just recorded a podcast with him he's a huge horror fan and he listens to our horror podcast and this is the same guy that that you convinced to go out and buy a book when you were so passionate about it so he's a huge horror buff and he was pissed off at me he calls me up he's just like so he listened to it once i was driving back to to Myrtle Beach and he calls me up and he's like what the hell you mean you don't like it oh, and, I, shit. <laughs> and, just, and he's like what and he's like and, and he was just like he was like Griffin needs to start calling you out on your bullshit because that's dumb mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what he said to me and I was like oh okay I can I can appreciate the passion um <laughs> But as much as I love it, and I love it to death, it's one of my favorite books. Like I said, I bought the book three separate fucking times because it keeps getting lost and stolen and all that shit. So I, I've spent upwards of 50 bucks on this fucking book. Oh um, it has its flaws, and you can really tell that it was written during like the height of Stephen King's like love affair with cocaine. Yeah. Because like, I'm re- I, I literally just started rereading it the other day because I'm fucking deranged. And he he has these tangents that he goes on for like fifty fucking pages over nothing, like just like an encounter that what's his name like little Mike had with a bird like a giant bird when he was a kid and it was cool and everything, you know he gets chased into like a smeltery plant and stuff but it doesn't actually progress the story in any way other than uh, I know you didn't read the book um, and I don't think they covered it in the miniseries but basically it is not officially a clown it just takes the form of whatever it thinks you're most afraid of yeah it's more of a um, alien more or less some kind of weird monster from another yeah, dimension it's, it's like a it's like a shapeshifter you yeah. know it's it's an, an evil being beyond space and time mm-hmm. um and fear is like a marinade to it it adds flavor to the meat so to speak so yeah. the scared the more afraid you are the better you taste um Ooh. sounds delicious and he got like he got he got attacked by a bird when he was a little baby, and then now that it's actually trying to fuck him over, he's turned into a bird and stuff. And it's like it's to me it's entertaining because I like the characters interacting. I like all the different characters building off of one each other. But it was the same problem that I had with Stephen King's The Stand, which is probably one of my favorite books. It's fourteen hundred page book, yeah. and I've tried three separate times to get my little sister to read that book because I'm telling you, it's like the miniseries sucked ass. They might make a better one. I know they're making another one now. But the book is really the best way to get that authentic experience of, like, Stephen King's writing, his characters, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
but there's so many times through that book where I just have to power through. It's like, oh my god, this is so fucking boring, but I know what's coming, so I'm going to keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. She doesn't know that. So she gets to about the part about 100 pages in where they're at the gas station, and then she stops. It's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go watch a movie or something. No. Well, I mean, so, I feel like sometimes, like, my speaking for myself, my attention span is all over the fucking place. So it's really hard for me to really sit down and actually read a book anymore. And it's sad because I grew up reading Goosebumps. I grew up reading, you know, good books that, not, I won't, you know, Goosebumps were probably the highlight of my life because I've read like 30 of them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I grew up reading graphic novels, things that would try to entertain me a little bit more. But then my ADHD kicked in and, you know, it's hard to read books now, nowadays. Now, did you, uh, did you see the TV series of Goosebumps? Um, no. Huh. I did not see the TV oh. series, and I did not. Well, I take that back. I saw a couple scenes from the TV series, which I thought were better. Those scenes were better than the actual movie. Yeah, I feel like the movie was trying. I, I feel like a lot of a lot of horror these days. It tries to go for like a horror comedy kind of thing. Yeah, you know, like it's kind of meta, kind of like oh, we're not taking it a hundred percent seriously. Well, they want to make. Guess to, they want to make money. They want to make money. You try I to get you huh? well, go on. They want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Jesus, it's like eighteen fucking people trying to fit through the same door at the same time. Like our our two puny little minds are just like flinging everything out. And that's what she um, said. <sighs> like you literally just wiped my fucking brain there. I had like this, this right. like very eloquent Let's... philosophical thought. I was gonna listen. Say about I. The... I get it. They they're making more things, so no one really wants to go see a massacre. Well, real horror fans want to go see a massacre, but people that are want to be jump scared and just want to be you know have a good time, they want a triumph story, they want a funny story, but they also want that they also want that little bit of horror like sprinkled over top. No one really you know nowadays it just doesn't seem like horror is kind of like punk music nowadays to me, and. Punk music is more underground. Horror, horror movies or horror TV shows, they're more of the underground scene. And not to get, not not that you're going off topic. Um, we yeah. haven't really even said what our topic is for this episode. But it kind of goes along what we're about to talk about, which is, you know, making money for horror movies. Either low budget or high budget film horror movies, which makes more money in your eyes in the long run. And the grand, the grand strand of things. Not like box office. Obviously, more the more money you spend on horror, the more big. Like Zombie Land Two, the trailer just came out for Zombie Land Two. They have they have four Academy Award nominees, and one of them is the actual winner. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because when they made the first Zombie Land, there was only one, but now all four of them have been nominated, and one of them won. Right. And you know, so and then they have all these other cameos that they didn't have in the first one. So my question. To start off this whole thing for you is mm-hmm. let's let's look at it as when one low budget horror movie does well let's just say paranormal activity let's just say the Blair Witch Project let's say Night of the Living Dead those three right there are probably one of the, the top lowest budget horror movies that made so much money for that studio that they why did they feel so obligated to put more money into the sequel they're changing the rhythm they're changing like just because you made it's ten thousand dollars a film a film, but you made twenty million. 
you know, obviously you're a genius, but why why do you want to put half that ten million into the next film? Why don't you just put fifteen thousand in the next in the next film? Make it a low budget again, because that's you know, I don't know. I think the damn, that's actually a good question. I got I actually have to think about this for a minute. I can't yes. just throw whatever bullshit off the top of my head. I stumped them. Um, <laughs> well, don't uh, don't celebrate too soon. I'm, it's coming together. You know, Daddy's got it. Um, I think it really has to do with there's a constant sense of a need for growth, like a need for progression. Like nothing is ever good enough, um, and especially with such a niche genre like horror movies, I feel like the studio executives are like, "Ooh, I like this. It's filling up my bathtub full of money." But now I want a swimming pool full of money. And the only way to make money is to spend money. Like, that's not true, but that's that's kind of the, the mindset that we're left in, in Hollywood. Um, fuck, man. You, actually, you, got, you got me a little stumped here. Uh, well, uh, well I, thinking about it, as I said, that's the first time I really said the question out loud. So actually hearing what I said and thinking about it. I mean, I, I I got it. I fucking got it. All right, here's what they're trying to do. You tell me first. All right. So you start out with a super low budget movie, like they do this all the fucking time. You know, yeah. Blumhouse, all these guys. Yeah. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, they haven't lost much money. Like that's the reason why I think Jason Blum. I don't know about him as a person, but he's a brilliant fucking businessman. Mm-hmm. Gives people like five million dollars to make a movie. If it sucks, no big deal. If it makes money back, that's great. And then you get a couple breakout hits like Get Out and stuff that have made tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. And that finances all the other kind of shitty movies. Like even the, the garbage, the fucking garbage that Jason Blum, well, I, I say like he's the director or anything, but his company has put out like Truth or Dare or something like that. Enough gullible idiots go and, or people who want to watch it ironically go and see it in theaters that it makes its budget back. Yeah. But then you have something like the Blair Witch Project, super low budget. It's like if we make just $10,000, $20,000, we've made our money back, and we can make another movie. It gets this small, extremely passionate fan base, like people blowing the fuck up about this movie. And they get it kind of like a mainstream appeal, just like kind of Hereditary. Hereditary was a super, super, like, wasn't really low budget. The thing was like 10 or $11 million. Um, but super niche, didn't really get a whole lot of marketing. And then just because people would not shut the fuck up about it, it became kind of like this mainstream horror sensation, even though it was kind of off the wall, kind of fucked up, kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so once you have a passionate niche fan base, you get together, okay, where do we go from here? We can either try making another low-budget movie and hope the same lightning strikes twice, but if it sucks, then we've lost that core audience. We've lost that fan base. It's very fragile. You know, it's a small group of people. Or we can take this niche fan base that's going to see the sequel anyway. We can add a bunch more money in. We can change a lot of stuff with the scripts, like add love interests, add, you know, fucking jump scares and musical cues and all this stupid bullshit that ruins fucking horror movies. And maybe we can get some of the paste eaters who go and watch like the latest, you know, studio garbage. We watch that too. And then we go from having a niche fan base to ma- to maybe you know makes us our ten or twenty thousand back to maybe we get mainstream worldwide appeal. Like look at the Friday the Thirteenth, 
the Halloweens, all that kind of stuff. The original Friday the th- uh, not Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. The original Nightmare on Elm Street, super low budget. Oh yeah. The effects kind of look like shit. You know, great movie, horror don't, classic. Don't hold up well though. <laughs> no effect, but the, effects wise, yeah. You know, but Robert England is the best part about that movie by far. You know, or even here's an even better example: Saw. Okay. The original Saw low-budget movie. It was made for less than $10 million. Mm-hmm. The writer and screenplay guy was also the lead actor. Oh, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. they were just... And it showed, unfortunately, I love you to death, you know, Max Landis, <laughs> but you are not a good actor. Um, but they just basically grabbed anybody who's walking by, like, hey, you want to be in a movie? Come here. You know? And it was this overnight sensation. Every single sequel past that built up on it. More money, more traps, more yeah. gore. More violence, more sex, nudity, and see, then eventually it, it burned itself out. Well, see, my, you know, I think the low-budget horror films are the ones that are more passionate. I feel like the director, like, w- w- say, okay, say you walk into a room and you're a director, and they're just like, you, and we want you to make the best horror film you've ever made. You have no budget. Just make it, and then we'll pay the bill. See, to me, there's no. My back's against the wall. I got to perform and do something that I've never did before. I can just do whatever I want, what I'm used to. To me, low-budget horror films are unique because they know they don't have the money. They know. So then you start thinking outside the box. Well, how am I going to film this? If I don't have a flying drone to come over top here to film this, do I get a guy on a ladder with a midget with a little cord? Like These are little things you got to do, but it makes it raw. It makes it unique. And I think that's that's what you, you forget what people are forgetting about. Like a lot of I've talked to young kids now. And when I say young kids, probably around your age, a little bit younger. Um, oh, <laughs> it's t- weird because at work I, I feel like the old man sometimes. Like oh, kids my. come up to me asking me for advice and shit oh, on like God. how to live their lives. It's like if you had any fucking idea how ridiculous that's gonna sound in about five years <laughs> when, you know, sixteen, seventeen year olds are gonna come up to you and start talking about yeah. their problems, you're oh, gonna think are- like, Why the fuck are you coming to me? They already do. They already do. It's, yeah. it's outrageous but yeah. but you know what I'm talking about like I just feel like when my back's against the wall and I'm, you know I'm, well I'm talking to these kids I'm telling them okay well this is a good horror movie and this one's not or this is just a regular good action movie and this one's not and they're all mm-hmm. like are you kidding me that's stupid blah 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 um, but since we're just talking about horror it's just telling them like okay yes it old-fashioned movies, if you want to say them old-fashioned movies, but low-budget films that are not nowadays. Because even a low-budget film nowadays is like one million, two million. I'm mm-hmm. talking about you, like, I, I just, I love the pureness of the the low-budget. There's so many low-budget horror movies out there. I don't know all of them. I just, actually, I just Googled the best, the lowest-budget horror movies, and like, the movies that we know are not even in the top six. Because there's just they're so low budget, but I will say this: kudos to Netflix. Netflix is trying their best to buy these low budget horror films, giving them a little bit more money, but throwing them on the screen. And because I'm I'm watching films from France, I'm watching films from Germany right now, and I'm just like, wow, these are some good, good little horror flicks. Like these are pretty cool. Like, <laughs> well, something else I'd like to kind of throw into the ring that I've been thinking about uh, for a little bit now is kind of an an unspoken truth, but actors. Like, consider, if you will, 
the original Lord of the Rings, well, I say original, but the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. At that time, I think Orlando Bloom was the only guy who was like well known as far as the actors go. Uh, and it shows in their performance. You're you're talking about people being hungry, yeah. you know, and just desperate. It's like, oh God, you know, this is my make or break moment. I gotta throw this shit in here. So many classic horror movies are known, they're made by, by the characters mm-hmm. and the actors portraying them. No. Like cons- I, I mean consider a few I agree. I agree hundred percent. I agree hundred percent. Like consider the original Halloween without Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't work. You know, she makes that movie. She's the original Scream Queen, at least to me. Yeah. I might not have that name right. It's one of the Curtis. It's one it's of those. Jamie Lee Curtis, which is funny, fun fact, her mother was the chick from Psycho that got stabbed in the shower. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought one of the two would I knew it was one of the two, I wasn't sure which. But Blair Witch Project. If that movie did not have actors just putting their fucking soul into that role, it would have yeah. been a dog shit movie. And I know that because the sequel was, was a dog shit movie. movie. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. You know, they remade that. I know we talked about remakes. They remade it. Uh, well, they didn't remake it, but they just continued the story. And I think that's that's the best way to do things. I'm not trying to backtrack on our remake, but since we were talking about Blair Witch, I like that instead of remaking anything, they just added to it, but years later. And um, they're looking for the lost tapes of those kids. Like, there's still, right. still tapes that they haven't found and looking for that. And I think that was a good idea. Um, but no, I agree with you 100%. I feel like a young Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street, he had a small role, role but that was probably his only shot that he's had on on television forever. And he, he acted pretty good. I mean, these are some, like, little shop of horrors. You got, um, what's his face? Uh, he's not acting anymore. But he was in Ghostbusters. He was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He was in a movie called Little Shop of Horrors, which is a horror movie, but it's more of a musical. But it's like, these are things you, you just forget about. There's so many famous actors and actresses now that you, you, you would never thought was in a horror movie, was, either, was in a horror movie. And they did so well. Um, they did a remake not that long ago. Well, I say not that long ago, but probably the early 2000s of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there was, and you know, was it Jessica Beale was in that? And this is like she was just fresh off this TV show Seventh Heaven, and she did a horror thing. And then, I mean, look at her now. She's in so many. She's you know, in so many different movies. She's married to Justin Timberlake. I mean, I feel like every it's a rite of passage to be in a low budget horror film because you're right. It forces you to become better. Even it doesn't even have to be horror. You said Lord of the Rings. Well, look at uh, action movies. Look at um. I, I just rewatched this movie. I know it's cheesy as hell. But Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Oh, Christ. Classic. And it's so good. But he was young and he was, you know, eager to work. But once they get cocky, love you, Tom Hanks. But your shit nowadays is just so blah. Whoa, careful. Blah. It's so blah. You, like, look at the early days when he was in, like, you know, um, Turner and Hooch. When he was in, um, you know, some good cla- splash. These are some good classic comedies and he was so he worked hard for it and i think that's what's happening with horror movies nowadays they're trying to well they're trying too hard to remake everything but even if they're not remaking anything they're spending too much money on it you you're forgetting the roots of horror which is the like you said you hit it perfect the people are are pretty much the roots of the horror you if you have good actors to act in a horror film 
It's not. It's easy as shit to be in a horror film. I can scream right now, and you would think that I'm in a horror film. But if you actually have someone that's believable, it's just it's great. Well, it's not just believable, but it falls to the writers as well to make the characters. Like oh yeah, the writers. I forgot about the writers. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like, cause the original. Well, I say not the not the original. John Carpenter's the thing. We said it a million times. It's one of my favorite horror movies. Yeah. All the characters in there, they have moments of being a dick. But everybody is a reasonable, intelligent human being who's just trying to survive. Then we come to the sequel in 2011, which not only took the amazing practical effects of the original. I'm just going to refer to it as original. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> took the amazing practical effects of the original and replaced them with CGI that looks like shit. But all the characters, except for the obligatory, like, hot protagonist, they're all just complete dickheads. Like, they're assholes, man. I hate them. It's like, I want them to die. It's like, please kill these fucking people. Mm. You're not supposed to be rooting for the bad guy in a good horror movie. No, you're not. Like, you can watch one of those either so bad as good or just like a fun time kind of things, like slasher movies, where it's like, ooh, let's kill all these dickhead teenagers. But in a true horror movie, in my opinion, that's well-written, well-acted, well-directed, I should be in the shoes of the characters. I should be, holy shit, how are they going to get out of this one? I can't believe they just killed that guy. That was my favorite dude. It's like, you son of a bitch. I hope they kill you. You know, you're supposed to be rooting for the people to make it out in the end. And that's something that's missing from a lot of modern horror movies. For whatever reason, there's this obsession with making characters sarcastic and cynical and dark and snarky and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, you're such a fucking douche. I want you to die. I, I don't feel anything for these people anymore. Yeah. Like the the original Child's Play, you know? I don't like that movie. Cool. I'm not a big fan. But Andy Barkley is the cutest fucking kid in the world. And you want nothing but good things to happen to this kid. You're invested. And in the latest Child's Play, I liked it better. I thought the kills were better. I thought it was a more entertaining movie. But with the exception of Audrey Plaza being hot as shit, you know, there's not really that many likable characters in the movie. I um, and, I I just I lost my damn train of thought. That's how quick it was. Um, <laughs> no, I I I hear what you're saying. I just I don't know. I'm I don't know. Go on what you're saying. I literally lost my train of thought. Damn this fucking life. I mean, <laughs> it happens every episode. I mean, that's that's about it, man. I just I want characters who I want to root for. Oh, okay. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you for reminding me. I yeah. feel like there's there's to every type of movie, to every movie out there, to every story, every book, there's blueprints. There, it's like unwritten law blueprints. Like everyone knows. Okay, so in a good horror movie, there's blueprints. You got to have a good writer. You got to have an amazing um, cast that you're not overpaying. That just are willing to work, put their body on the line to work. And you also have to have a good guy, an antagonist, and a heroine. You gotta have a good guy and a bad guy. You gotta have that. If you don't, if you, if you, you, okay, so you can mix things up. You can make the good guy be good the whole movie, and then at the end, he's the bad guy, and then the bad guy, you know, there's ways to really confuse you and do things that's fine, but you need to have good versus evil. It's always been that way. It's like that in action films, it's like that in rom romantic comedies, they're the same way. There's always the, you know, there's always the chick that you love but she ends up being with a douchebag so there's always someone so i get what you're saying there should be nowadays it just feels like they want you to root more for the um for the bad guy which is fine
but classic horror for me is not that. Classic horror for me is there's the bad guy. You feel sympathetic towards him sometimes about his origins, but then you watch him rip out some teenage throat, and then you're like, okay, there's a reason why I hate this guy. <laughs> but like, you feel bad, like, oh, when he was a child, he got molested. That sucks. I I know someone that got molested. You know that. You know, so you have some sympathy, but. You know, you want to be torn up inside. Like, I want to hate this man, but I can't. But then I want to. And then, I don't know. It's just, I get you. I mean, and there's another thing, too. You kind of hit the nail on the head. This, I mean, you know how much I fucking hate series. It's like one of my major pet peeves. I've talked about it many times. But it's the the need to constantly over-explain things. Like, the audience needs to know literally everything to enjoy the movie. And that's just not true. Some of my favorite horror movies ever, they don't explain anything. You have to figure it out the same time the characters do. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that kills me about all these fantastic horror series, like these slasher series and stuff. Michael Myers can't just be a big fuck-off dude in a, in a mechanics outfit with a mask on, stabbing people. No. Can't be. Of course, he's got to have all these connections to the main characters by coincidence or by design. You know, they have to explain his childhood, how he came to be the way he is, why he wears the mask. How is he unable to to die or anything, you know? And then fucking, you know, Freddy Krueger. That is, I'm kind of okay with them explaining because it's a little bit more esoteric. But, you know, what's his name? The guy with the fucking machete. Jason Voorhees. Yeah. There's, There's nothing that needs to be explained about Jason Voorhees. He's a dude with a machete cutting up people. If you want to explain his mother's backstory and all that stuff, that's fine. But don't explain the dude himself. What are you, are you saying? Like nowadays, this is too much of we're giving you too much information about yeah. the about the, the the horror person, the monster, the killer. Well, just like the I like what's going on in general. Like if you consider horror is supposed to, like art is supposed to represent life, mm-hmm. and horror is supposed to represent the horrible shit that happens in life. So many times, dude, bad shit happens for no reason and no warning at all. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like, the idea to me of just some random dude in a mask breaking into my house and stabbing me to death for no reason is infinitely more scary than, you know, some demonically possessed guy who was molested as a child and he picked out this mask because it's the mask his father wore the night when he was murdering his mother. And it's like, ah, too much information. I'm not scared anymore. I understand you too well. You know, wow. it's fear of the unknown taken in the opposite direction. That is literally the synopsis for this TV show called Slasher. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I told you I was going to – I watched five episodes of it, and I'm just – I gave up on it. It's a Canadian uh, – it's supposedly number three on the best TV horror things. I just don't get it. Maybe the first season's not the greatest, which is understandable, but it's just – I don't know. It's not pulling me in. It's not pulling me in. But go on. I just thought that was funny because that's literally what happens the first the first scene well, of the movie or the show. Well, I mean, I mean, dude, it's it's like, and this is a bit of a weird comparison to make, but it's like there's a fucking squirrel that lives down the street a ways from where I'm at. Mm-hmm. This squirrel, the first time he saw my big ass come running, you know, jogging and shit, he tore off running. He's like, what the hell is this? It's big and scary and fuck <laughs> off, get out of here. And he tore off running up the tree. But the more he saw me and the more he got to know, like, know and understand more about me, the less afraid he became. Yes. And nowadays, that boy doesn't even fucking move. I could have stomped on his ass like three times if I wanted to. 
he just sits there in the road and just watches me walk by like hey griff what's going on man you know good to see you so you say- i am i am that squirrel in this horror movie that's the problem the more i see this killer the more he does things and the more like he lets people get away with shit the more he figure out about him the less afraid i become and the more it's just like oh he's like a character in the movie he's not an antagonistic force anymore he's a character I can like characters, I can dislike characters, but I'm not afraid of characters. I'm afraid of antagonistic forces. You know, uh, if a fucking tornado is getting ready to destroy your house, if he starts telling you his sorry-ass backstory and stuff, it kind of takes the wind out of his sails. You know, no pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes bad shit happens for no reason and with no purpose. And that, to me, is the scariest thing about life. Like, I saw this, this one French movie called inside all right have you ever seen it or do you ever intend on seeing it because i'm Uh, about to spoil the fuck out of it (laughs) i have not seen it but that's fine go right ahead okay well huge spoilers for anybody who ever wants to see that movie um it's it starts out amazing it's pretty much exactly what i wanted it to be it's some pregnant lady she's in her house by herself the day before her baby is set to be born and some crazy bitch breaks in. She wants to steal that baby. And it's like a fight to the death over the course of one night. They're just, they're, they're running around the house, you know, barricading themselves in places. They're getting stabbed, beat, cut up, all this kind of shit. And it's like, I'm in this. Like, I'm invested. It's like the idea of a fucking stranger breaking into your house, wanting to steal your child from your stomach, wanting to cut you open and take that baby. That is, that's fucking terrifying. And it was superbly acted. And then about halfway through, they stop and try to explain why she wants to take this baby. Not because she's just some random crazy bitch who just happened to see this lady, you know, being pregnant, doing her thing. No, it's because they have a past. They know each other. And it's like, ah, fuck, here we go. And sure enough, you know, they were involved in a car accident. The other lady was pregnant, like the crazy bitch, and she lost the baby, and she's mad, and so she wants to take her baby from her so she can understand what it's like and stuff to lose a child. It's like, God damn it, I don't care. I just, I was so invested in this movie. I I didn't need to be, it to be explained to me why we're doing what we're doing. You know, just, just do the fucking thing, you know? I don't know. Still a good movie. Yeah. Very dark, very gory, very violent ending and everything. But God Well, damn. I was looking it up while you were saying, and um, it di- definitely didn't make its money back, unfortunately. Mm. And that could have been part of the reason. But, there, but that was like, that was 2007? Yeah. That was like a 2007. So they're making a movie. It's called Their Inside. And it comes out in 2019. It's mm. literally the same concept, but it's U.S. based. It's not French. All right, well, please, if you're listening, the directors of their inside, don't explain the fucking backstory. Um, if you want to leave hints, like little drops, little hints, little symbols, like maybe they're both in a picture together or something, well, this do that. This, uh, like, it literally says it's a, it's a remake of a French classic, but it doesn't say it's from the inside. There's a trailer already out for it. It comes out, hmm. it comes out in a, a month or two. Um, it's just basically family secrets start to get away, and a mass stranger comes in to steal something of a person. I, I mean, it's literally the same 
kind of concept mm-hmm. is just a little bit different. Um, but see, that's that's what I'm talking about. I just I, I feel like things are just things are changing, and it's sad. I think go back to your roots with budget wise. Go back to your roots with money. If you get good actors and you don't change, I feel like people are trying too hard. Directors and writers are trying too hard to reinvent the wheel. The wheel is already made. The wheel is already gone. That's okay mm-hmm. if you, you don't need to reinvent it. I don't care if you, there. You know, if you want to make a slasher film, make a fucking slasher film. You don't have to steal the person. Like basically, you know, Jason Voorhees. You don't have to take a guy named Hatchet. You don't have to take like you know. The same. You don't have to make another Child's Play. Make a new one. You talked about this when you saw Child's Play. Just make a new yeah. storyline that's kind of in the same world. Like, do, take take note. Look at Marvel. Look at look at the comic books. They are literally. It's this. Both DC and Marvel. It's the same stories over and over and over again. You know, rich rich guy. You know, has it all. Cocky. He loses it all. Finds power within himself and then becomes a superhero it's the same damn story batman iron man um doctor strange it's the same fucking story but it's thor if you consider him rich yeah i mean would yeah it's just north mythology he was a rich cocky uh you know prince and all this other stuff and then he had to pretty much find himself to become the hero that he is you know the only one that was different was captain america but uh (laughs) but it's just like Every 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 story has that blueprint, and horrors have that blueprint. If you're gonna make a zombie flick, you know you're gonna have to do X, Y, and Z. But you can change everything in in everything else. And why don't you do that with a slasher film? There should the a new strange of slasher film should come out soon, and they should really find a new character. Love Robert England. I love you know I love all the slasher films that came out in the '80s. But now it's time for a new guy, somebody new. Something to take the lead. Like, Saul, Saul kind of did it. The torture part of, you know, Saul and Hostel. Those two movies came out around the same time. And that was the whole torture thing. So, mm-hmm. Jigsaw became this villain. And he started doing it. He started doing what he, you know, he just started. He was the face. We need a face. Right now, it's not, there's no faces. The, you, know what the, you know what, truly, you know what the face is right now? Family. There's so many films out there about families killing it. There's another one, True for Dare. I just saw an, uh, a trailer for it. It's like, oh, you're getting married. Welcome to the family. Oh, we do this game where you we play a hide-and-go-seek. You hide, and all of us try to kill you. Like, <laughs> like what? So, huh? so, yeah. So, you know, it just movies like that where people are attacking people, that's fine. But I think we need to go back in time and just find, like, you know, like – I. There is still hope out there because the whole haunting, the whole Annabelle thing, that's its own little thing. But I mean, I, w- I want some slasher films again. I think it needs to come back. I need someone needs to create a new villain, someone that you just hate and just you never see until the very end of the first one. Then the second one, you never, you don't really see until the middle, and then you only see them a couple times. Just keep them a mystery, like Aliens. Aliens, the movie Aliens, you really didn't see the aliens too much until the end. What I would love to see, as long as we're offering like a wish list of horror movies, yeah, why not? What I would love to see. Have you ever seen a film called You're Next? Yes. I want to see another film like with that an in- with an intelligent, resourceful protagonist. Yeah. Who goes on the offensive against the the bad guy? 
that was such a breath of fresh air for me. It actually, it honestly threw me off when she's just started going fucking ham on these guys, just whooping their ass. Mm -hmm. And it kills me that, with the possible exception of Get Out, I I haven't seen a movie like that since. It's like, show me, you know, I want to see somebody other than a constant fucking victim. Is basically what I'm getting at here. Oh yeah. I had this idea. It's it's a shame that I don't know how to write, like at all. Um, but I had this idea for a couple of guys out on like a hunting retreat or something, and they accidentally stumble across this satanic cult just sacrificing people, and they get caught up in it, you know. And it's these guys and like one or two sacrifices they they manage to save versus this entire giant fuck off cult that are trying to kill them to keep them quiet and stuff. And it's like a game of cat and mouse where they use traps and deadfalls and all this kind of stuff. I just, I want to see active protagonists. I want to see people advancing the storyline of their own will, basically. As great as it is to have characters that are part of the story rather than, you know, the focus of the story, like Green Room, if you've never seen that. It's a fantastic film. It's on Netflix. Yeah. About this punk rock band that gets caught Oh yeah, between a whole bunch of. Have I, you actually seen? I have not seen it, but I know what it is because uh, what's his face who died? Rest in peace. He was in that film. Oh yeah, um, Anton Yelchin. Yes. You need to watch that movie, dude. I'm not telling you shit about it. It's an amazing movie. Just watch it. Um. Well, I have some days off, so I already plan on watching some stuff. I got to rewatch it because people are telling me that I made a bad decision. Oh boy. <laughs> so. Um, I'll check. I'll check. I'll check it out. I'll definitely check it out. Well, I'll ask you this: what What did you consider? What were your major pet peeves about it? Well, <laughs> uh, opening up this can. So we talked about it before, and I still stand by what I said. And what I said was, it wasn't. It wasn't darker. I wish it was a little bit darker. That was my thing. And, you know, the guy that I talked to who pretty much criticized me and said that it was, what do you mean it wasn't darker? I mean, there was like, it was a lot darker than the, the TV series was. Or, you know, it's more more realistic to the book than, which is, you know, there's a rape scene in the book. There's all this other stuff. So it's more more darker that way. My whole thing is, I want to be scared. Like, you kind of said it. Pennywise is portrayed as a clown. 90% of the time in the whole the whole book of it or not just the book of it just the whole storyline of this it part one and part two I'm guessing he's going to be more of a clown in part two my whole thing is I wanted to see more of him in part one and it goes back to what you were saying too that you know the suspense of everything but I already know the story of it if I did not know the story of it I think I would enjoy that movie a little bit more because it would be suspense, like, ooh, he's kind of mysterious. Ooh, this is weird. But since – so a new generation who's never seen the original one or even read the book, um, this is scary to them. And I understand. This is pretty cool. But for someone that watched the TV series like 17 times, like this is like not <laughs> – this is – I don't know. It's well-traveled ground, huh? It's just – it's just – I don't know. I, I'm not a huge – the kids are great actors. I don't push nothing against them. Yeah. I'm looking forward to part two more than anything because – it looks a little bit different. Like they want a want different. They want a different direction, but still paid homage to the old one. And it just looks kind of creepy. Um, there, were, if you look at the trailer, this old woman um, 
that whole trailer with the old woman and she's kind of in the background, it's it's more of like a it's a creepy feeling, like it's a crawly, like oh my god, that's freaky. She's walking weird and she's like coming towards you. So these are some yeah. weird things. Um, but I'll give it another shot. I did end it in the middle of it. Um, and maybe maybe it gets better towards the end. I just kind of gave up on it. Maybe I'll figure it out. But it just wasn't a. Uh, I don't know. Lately, I just if I want to watch a horror movie, I want to watch something that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just me. That's the stage that I'm at right now. Everybody's at a different stage, so I can't really. Well, I'll I'll tell you from my perspective. I I knew what I was going into because I I have to say I read the books a bunch of times. But yeah. my little sister, she just fell in love with the trailer when she watched it because it reminded her of a lot of stuff she used to do as a kid you know biking around town and stuff you know kind of like the the goonies kind of thing yeah and she went she told me afterwards she went into the movie expecting pennywise to be like a serial killer like a normal human being who's just targeting kids and it's kind of like a stand by me kind of thing where she's kids taking on the adult world and stuff like that so as soon as the opening scene happened and she kind of looked at me kind of kind of wondering like why is there a clown in the sewer like why what why is he doing that? And then he grows like 18 fucking rows of teeth and bites the kid's arm off and then stretches his arm out like 10 feet to drag him back into the sewer. She was hooked. So it's exactly like you said. If you had no idea what was going to happen, it just catches you off guard and you're like, holy shit, I'm in this now. I think that might be that might be just kind of like the problem uh, yeah. is you were, your expectations were simultaneously too high and too low. Mm-hmm. Because of what, because of the miniseries, which I know a lot of people love. I hate it. I really do. Tim Curry is like the only good part of that miniseries, and even then, he's he's more funny than scary. But <laughs> that's just that's because if you ever saw Rocky Horror Picture Show, you can't look at him in any other way. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> oh man, that's good to know. That's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, so. Overall, what, do you do you enjoy low budget horror films or high budget horror films? In theory, I would love high budget horror films because I love great effects. Yeah, like amazing practical effects are something to to be seen. Um, but the problem comes when you give a film a high budget; it then has to make that high budget back. And a lot of places don't like running the risk of trying to appeal to niche fans of horror by making it like 100% horror. That's why I said at the beginning that they're going to be mostly going for like horror comedy or, you know, horror love story or something like that, trying to draw in the people. And I feel like it's just too watered down. A lot of these high budget horror movies are just so desperate to appeal to the largest possible demographic that it almost reads like a checklist. Like I can tell you what's going to happen at what points in the movie. Low budget films don't have that big of a of a gap to breach, so I think they're a lot more creative and a lot less predictable in that way. Yeah. So even though in theory I should love high budget horror movies, the my favorite horror movies of the past ten years have all almost universally, with the exception of it, been very low budget. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a smarter way to do a high budget horror film to make it feel like a low budget horror film um don't focus too much on you know digital stuff focus more on people and it, you can have like it it is a it 
is a high budget horror film but it has a feel of a low budget because they've they've rather spend if you're going to spend millions and millions of dollars spend them on good actors or young actors get a whole bunch of them and make it make it good that way but don't overdo it don't oversaturate it and that's just you know that's the last thing i have well, to say about that jesus did you get to the to the part where they were in the house at Neibold Street? Um, the last thing I saw was, I oh, forget what boy it was, he ran in the backyard and then you saw Pennywise with the balloons at the house. He was um, running, what? he got called he went past the old abandoned house, he got called so he started walking into the house but then he stopped and ran out and ran around the house and Pennywise was standing in the, the backyard and he was holding balloons and he just kind of lifted his face up that's literally that's probably only like 45 minutes into the film but boy you're gonna drive me to drink oh man well i'll watch it i will i actually i'll go you know as soon as we've done this podcast i'll probably go watch it because my 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 family's not home and my wife hated it but then again (laughs) you know she she likes vampire diaries so you know (laughs) um but there's this when you all I'll say is when you get to the scene with the refrigerator, yeah, just know that the actor really did that. That's not an effect. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. And be be impressed and amazed that a human being is capable of doing that. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I'll I'll, to, I'll look that up. Actually, mm-hmm. I might cheat and just look up that scene on YouTube. <laughs> I hey man, that's you. You want to ruin your experience? Go for nah, it. See, I don't want to ruin my experience. I'm not going to do that shit. But uh. I, I mean, I saw that in the theaters, and I thought, okay, that, that actually looks pretty realistic for CG. And then I went up, looked looked it up when I went home. It's like, holy shit, that's not CG. Uh-huh. How I'm the just, fuck are you still alive? I'm just part of that generation that, you know, CG wasn't really relevant when I was a child mm-hmm. watching horror films. So now that I see it all the time, it's just kind of oversaturated, and it kind of gets blah. But... Whatever, but uh, thank you, Griffin. This is kind of a short one. I knew this one was going to be a short one. Um, but anything else you want to say to anybody? I think I pretty much got what I needed, other than uh, fuck Euron. That's oh about my it. God, that is like you're, you're going to get that tattooed on you. <laughs> I I, I'm I'm still not over it, but I will be eventually. Oh, that reminds me. Actually, this is a a good little thing. Um, I didn't know when I was going to have it to kind of drop this in. Okay, but. Um, you, you said you're, you're not a huge fan of reading, but something I would impress upon you, there's this website called aliceshipwise.com yeah. that has completely rewritten a script for season eight of Game of Thrones. Completely oh, wow. rewritten it. Like, they took the same structure. It's like, okay, you got six episodes. This is the things that have to happen. But the way that they go about things is so much more organic and natural. It's the dialogue is better. It's like I've just been reading it for the past couple of days and it's been like catharsis for me. Just yeah. trying to imagine this like this actually being season 8 instead of the fucking dumpster fire that we got. Okay. So, I'll if th- you ever feel like if you ever feel like reading, I'll send you the link, but yeah, send it to me. I'm curious. If not for for our readers who still stick around after the dumpster fire that was Game of Thrones season eight, it is aliceshipwise.com. You best believe when uh, the prequel and all that other stuff comes on, we're going to be doing a miniseries on that. 
Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually tentatively excited for that. As so. long as as long as it doesn't pull like a like a Star Wars prequels kind of thing. Yeah. Um oh, well, we'll, as long we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. I mean, I mean D&D aren't the writers anymore. So yeah. the writing hopefully will be much better. The cast and directing is going to be probably great like it has been. If they get that guy back who did the Battle of the Bastards to direct any of the major scenes in the show, then we're good. It'll be great. Mm. I'm actually looking forward to it. And hopefully, if this works out, then we'll get either a Robert's Rebellion or a Dance of the Dragons kind of thing, which my book-reading folks out there know that's going to be some great shit. It's going to be <laughs> fucking crazy. Dance of the Dragons is the one thing... Like, if I was a fan of Kickstarter, yeah, I would... I would start that in a fucking minute. If you want to do a Dance of the Dragons prequel, I'm down. Somehow we always end up, every horror podcast or episode, we always end up talking about Game of Thrones. And it's because of that last... Because it was a fucking horror, horror show, show. <laughs> last season. Uh, well, let me... Uh, like, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so Who's much for listening. queen. Oh, Jesus. Thank you guys so much for listening uh. to this episode. And stay tuned. Next week we'll have something else. Summer is not over yet. In fact, in the South, it's even longer, so enjoy this shit. Peace. Well, hello there. This is Rob with Couch on Fire Podcast. And just in case you guys don't know, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube. The list goes on and on. But yes, check us out at Couch on Fire Podcast on all your favorite social media. Oh yeah, that's right. We have a subreddit. Check that out too. Thank you guys so much for your love and support.